I think the last time my wife and I went out to eat was March of 2020. I, I'll tell you, I'm looking forward to once this pandemic's over, actually going to sit down somewhere and have somebody serve me. What about you, your husband? You guys have any upcoming plans in the, for the after time? Well, we're kind of like you. We haven't gone anywhere. We are, however, going out to dinner on Monday for my birthday. Oh. And we are going to Carlo and Johnny's. Oh, my gosh. Well, that's much fancier. I just want to go to McDonald's and have them bring <laughs> my food. <laughs> no, I'm looking forward to kind of sitting down and enjoying a martini and trying to have some semblance of a normal birthday. Well, happiest of birthdays, and I guess we better get this thing started. All right, let's do it. Hello all, and welcome to The Voice of Loveland, the podcast for ionloveland.com. Ion Loveland is Loveland, Ohio's most trusted source of information, so we thank you all for coming in here today. And I want to welcome a person that doesn't look a day over whatever day she wants to be looking like, and that's the greatest other host, Pam Gross. How are you today, Pam? (laughs) Well, thank you very much. And as Ronald Reagan would say, it is now, what, the 27th anniversary of my 29th birthday. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, uh, a couple of things up at the top. I know there's some of you, and gosh, do we love you, that when this podcast comes out at 8 a.m. on Thursday mornings... You're downloading and listening to it. So the very first thing I have to say is I greatly, greatly apologize. We had this podcast is a little bit later than normal. We had some technical user issues since I'm the sound engineer, Pam. I guess that means there were Ryan issues. Worked through those. And good thing because we had a lot to think about. And I, I mean, we always want to focus on one topic here, Pam. But the last council meeting was a doozy. I mean, it was loaded with information, things that happened. I guess we should all feel a lot safer now because they rescinded the emergency order. And basically everybody on council that told Tim Butler that, oh, my God, the zombie monsters are going to grab us all a few months ago. They're all now all of a sudden like, oh, everything's great and peaches. Yeah, I'm not really sure what, what has changed that dramatically from when he was asking for it to be rescinded a few months ago to today. But hey, I'm glad not to be under emergency. No. So I'm good with it. There's also something we're going to discuss at the very end about uh, just some awards, some things that the city does to honor citizens. So we're going to talk about that at the very end. There was a lot about the garage, Pam, and that's not what we're going to talk about today. We're going to save that because, look, you know we do not like this garage. Well, at the council meeting, they actually showed you what it's going to look like, which means you don't get a choice in what it looks like now. Showed how it's going to work. But they promised that we would. Yeah, they, you know... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> of course, they promised that we would have a conversation on whether we needed a Here, garage, so, too. Sorry. <laughs> no, go ahead. Um, but it just, they showed how it was going to work. And logistically, I, I just don't know. You guys got to make your voices heard. I mean, I know they're just going to vote for it anyway. So you can make your voices heard by replacing four council members this year and getting that Kathy Bailey wasteful regime off of our backs. So, but no, Pam, we're going to talk about the historic guidelines here for the downtown district of the city of Loveland. Something I want to make clear up front here is there are federal historic guidelines, there are state historic guidelines, and yes, municipalities can create their own historic guidelines. Having said that, there is nowhere in the city of Loveland that has been designated by the federal government or the state government as being historically significant. Nothing. And not only that, we have no historic buildings or historical buildings anywhere in downtown Loveland. No, there isn't a historic building. And so that's something else I wanted to highlight here is since this committee commissioned the historic group or whatever, which we haven't talked about in a while, because 
gosh, Pam, they're doing the exact same things they were doing when they were having illegal meetings two or three years ago. I mean, nothing has changed, literally. But they have, in their time, designated one historic building for the city of Loveland. And it's over in White Pillar. <laughs> I was going to say, it's not even in downtown. It is nowhere near their boundaries. Here's my thought on this. Basically, what the city of Loveland has done is they've taken the downtown area, which includes commercial and residential, single-family homes, apartments, things like that. That includes all of that. And they've created their own homeowners association without asking any of the building owners or homeowners if they want to join. And the government sits or this commission is the always at the head of this HOA. And if you own property down there, you need to basically bend to the knee to them, okay, to use a Game of Thrones reference. If you want to change something, you have to go to them. And they have to say, oh, that's okay, you can change it. And this commission is made up of one elected official, who is Andy ba- Councilman Andy Bateman, and the rest are unelected, and none of them live in this district. Yeah, it's interesting because you're right. What they've actually done is they're creating a, what I call a supercharged HOA. And anyone who lives in an HOA, which I do, most people aren't very fond of their HOs, HOAs, which I'm not. <laughs> uh, but the reality is, is though you at least get your voice heard, you at least get a vote. You, you, you don't get any of that with this commission and this supercharged HOA. And just to kind of put a little more emphasis on it, because there have been a couple of residents, and here's very clear too, because you, you said this in the beginning, this isn't just regulating commercial property. This is regulating your personal residence, your private property, the home in which you live in and you paid for. This commission is going to have a say-so over what you can and cannot do with your own personal property. But there have been a couple of people who have expressed their opinion on, on, in regards to this commission and not one of them. And, and early on, there were more people who had, came, who had come and said, we don't want this. I haven't heard a single person who wants this other than the people on the commission who don't live in the district. But it's interesting because I looked through some of the um, correspondence and just kind of to, to put the emphasis on this HOA. One of the residents actually wrote and said, look, in short, you have placed the residents of the downtown district into an HOA without consulting us. It continues on and says, I don't want to live in an HOA community. That's why I didn't buy in one. It was interesting with the conversation that they were having surrounding this, because obviously, especially city manager Kennedy, you could tell they were shook by all the stuff that was going on. Because again, you're regulating people's private property. You're telling them what they can and cannot do, what they can and cannot like. And nobody thinks that's the We're going to get to a comment in a moment about what the government should do, but the government should not be regulating your private property. Hey, I get people are going to be like, well, then I can paint my house, whatever, or I can make a crack den or do whatever. No, first off, there are criminal laws. Second off, there are planning and zoning. There's zoning regulations. But what I found interesting around the conversation is city manager Kennedy and the rest of the council kept trying to defend it one way or the other, saying, oh, it's not as bad as you guys are all saying. As a matter of fact, I want to play something that city manager Kennedy said here, Pam. There are some real valuable items that we can change in the regulations. All the more reason I wanted it to be separate from the boundaries as we go on. But I also got to be honest with you. I'm on a deadline to get the grant funding in place. Uh, I'm running out of time to be able to get the funding. 
So uh, city manager Kennedy said, yeah, I know this isn't great, guys, but we got to pass it so I can get this money. You know what, Pam? It actually reminds me of a very famous political quote. <laughs> Let's see if we can match city manager Kennedy to a very famous political quote here. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. So for those of you that don't know. <laughs> Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> that is. Former and current Speaker of the House of Representatives, Nancy Pelosi. Bam, and that was in reference to the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, that we have to pass it before the quote we... quote that will live in infamy. <laughs> yeah. and look, guys, this isn't the show. We're not going to debate uh, the Obamacare or anything like that. That's not the quote. But what I will tell you in my work as a, in political consultancy, a lot of my Republican and Democratic Party friends both really don't like that bill because it's so convoluted. And that quote kind of brings up the point of, guys, this bill is so convoluted that, look, don't worry about what's in it. We'll pass it and fix it later. That's exactly what city manager Kennedy said. Am I, am I wrong, Pam? No, that's exactly what he mm-hmm. said. And I'd like to kind of comment a little on a couple of things that he said in regards to that. First is maybe I should start with his sense of urgency. Let's start there, okay, because he said he's kind of in a timeline crunch. Well, let's talk about why is he in a timeline crunch? Because this particular commission was appointed in 2018. Ryan, the last time I checked, I think it's 2021. Yeah, I, I believe so. Okay. Yeah. So number one, they what, what the heck have they been working on for over two years? Well, I can tell you what they've been doing. They've been meeting illegally in the very beginning. They had already done boundaries. They talked about what they wanted to look like, what they wanted um, people's personal residence to look at like. And you know how I know that? Because I was at those Mm -hmm. meetings and I listened to them adjourn meetings and then continue the meetings, which is illegal. And it wasn't just us that called them out on it. Other other media outlets did it. Other media outlets did it. And, And to be honest with you, I'm the one who finally went to the solicitor and said, look, you have a commission here who is working illegally and they're doing all of these things illegally. So what they had to do was they had to scrap it all. So it's through their own ineptitude that he's under some kind of time crunch. So this idea that all of a sudden, oh, we have to do this because I'm under a time crunch. The reason you're under a time crunch is because you have an inept commission. The other part to that is knowing that they're inept and knowing now that they're in this time crunch where we don't even know what in the heck they're even, you know, what's going to be in it, what's not going to be in it. And then we have them telling us, well, that's not really our intent. I don't buy it, guys. I'm throwing the BS flag on it. And the reason I am is because I sat and listened to these people talk about other people's private property and what they wanted it to look like. They didn't want it to look like Montgomery. They didn't want this. They didn't want that. So don't tell me that that isn't your intent. It was exactly your intent. And these same inept people who did all of these things, who who now you're under a time crunch, you're going to put those same inept people in charge of something that's going to tell you what you can and cannot do to your personal private property. That's exactly what they're doing because they have their vision of what this should look like. And what city manager Kennedy said, and I'm not going to play, but he's like, oh, look, the first application they're going to get, they're going to probably start changing things. Right. Okay. First off, I'm about to play something from, I'm going to start calling him like our third co-host or our fill in, <laughs> uh, Councilman Tim Butler, because he just always seems to say something and then just really torpedo his own arguments and what he's saying. But because they've decided, or some people didn't like Loveland Station, or they mentioned the fire or all this other stuff, that 
okay, we got to preserve whatever look it is downtown. But Pam, we don't know what that look is. We can't identify that look. And we're going to, you guys are going to come to us and then we'll change our own guidelines that the city council at the next meeting, they said they're going to have a public hearing, Pam, but immediately after that are going to vote on this. And Vice Mayor Weisgerber is in those boundaries. So he's recused himself from this discussion. I fully expect this to pass six to zero. Before I go on, I want to play what Councilman Butler said because it's very, very telling. And you know, I want you guys to know, Tim Butler identifies as a conservative Republican. He has been endorsed by the Hamilton County Republican Party for this. And you talk with him, he will say that he holds conservative viewpoints. <laughs> I'm going to play this his comment here, and I will let you decide whether or not he is upholding those principles. I think there's always a tension when you have a situation where it you have the appearance of government imposing restrictions <clears throat> on private property owners and, and what they can use and, and how they can uh, adorn their property or develop their property. Pam, I'm going to stop them right there. I'm going to continue to play them in a minute. I agree with them. There is always anxiety or whatever he said whenever the government is going to tell people what to do with their private property. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but he wasn't done. Um, having served on that committee for a while and then uh, turned the gavel over to, uh, to Andy, I can tell you that the intent of that committee was to try to thread that needle, um, keep a balance between maintaining the character of the downtown area, which was seen as somewhat slipping away, particularly with the, uh, the development of the uh, Loveland Station, while also providing property owners uh, the maximum flexibility to, uh, to develop their property as, as they deem appropriate within those guidelines. And I think that's been struck by uh, particularly differentiating between residential and commercial, um, and then um, with residential owners even uh, restricting the uh, specific actions which are subject to those guidelines. So it's a tough balance, and I understand that there will be some who say this isn't the, uh, the province of uh, government to do, but uh, I know that this committee made every effort to to walk that line and strike that balance as reasonably as possible. Pam, it is not the province of government to do that. Yeah, and isn't it interesting that two of the words that he ta- that think about two of the words that he used there restrictions and guidelines. Mm-hmm. Yes, both of those are bureaucratic regulations. But he said Again, these people over your mm-hmm. personal private yes. property. I'm glad he's a good Republican. Uh, I mean, again, you guys decide for yourself, but he talked about it's not their intent. He said this group, this committee won't do it. Okay, two problems with that. First off, laws don't care about intent. Lawyers care about what it says, what's in there. And what's in there is it tells you things you can and cannot do to your private. It's mostly what you cannot do to your private property. And hey, they may change it in the future, but what happens when this great committee of great people that threaded the needle, as Councilman Butler said, what happens when they're not on that committee? And what happens when somebody gets on that committee who is a a zealot on using this stuff, and then the city gets sued because you're telling somebody what kind of bush they can put in their front yard or what kind of paint color they can paint their door? I. I understand that Councilman Butler supported this policy and voted for it to begin with. But after all these years and all the things we've seen, and now they're in a time crunch to just shove through a terrible, terrible law, but tell the people, again, you don't live in this district. You tell the people that live in that district, don't worry, we're the government. 
We're not going to do anything wrong. We're here to protect you. We're like your parent. We're here to tell you what's right and wrong. That's what Councilman Butler just said. I'm here from the government, and I'm here to help. Yep, and we should all be scared. (laughs) Well, I want to talk about when they say it wasn't their intent. It wasn't their intent to control what people can do with their personal property. If that's the case, then why does the program need to exist? And let's be clear here. This particular set of guidelines and these regulations, this is 92 pages of bureaucratic regulations on what you can and cannot do on your personal property. So don't tell me that was not your intent. Because why do you have 92 pages of government regulations? The other thing is, is Ryan, if indeed it wasn't their intent, then here's what I tell them they need to do at the next meeting. They need to take out every single regulation that is in regards to residential personal property. Just take it out. Because that way we will know exactly what their intent is. Mm -hmm. Because it won't be in there at all. And I think that's important because the other thing that Kennedy also said, he's under this time crunch, he has to do this, and that, you know, once we get it back and then we, we can read it and figure out what's actually in it, that we can actually make changes on our own, that they can make changes on their own. Well, if that's the case then, then everything that you're currently telling us is not true because it can be changed. And this is important because I listened to the public hearing for the commission guidelines that they did here. And there was a gentleman who spoke. He did not speak in open forum, so I don't know his name, and you couldn't hear him. But he obviously was a resident, and the question that he asked had to do with landscaping. And Mr. Kennedy could hear the question, and he answered it, and he said, oh, no, no, this commission is not going to tell you what you can and cannot do in the landscaping. And oh no, we're not going to talk, you know, we took out the stuff on the roof and the size of your doors and your windows and all of that. Well, if they can make changes at any time, then what Mr. Kennedy told that man who was concerned about that is not true, that it can be changed. So don't give me this nonsense that this wasn't our intent, then take it out. Yeah, just make a motion to take out all single-family home uh, residential regulations. Exactly. That's all you have to do. And then you can add them later on if you need to. But if you're sitting here telling us that, oh, this is totally different between commercial and residential, then just take it. Then take it out. And I'm not even saying, you know, uh, Tim Butler's afraid of the boogeyman that's uh, Loveland Station. Fine. Then keep in multifamily places or whatever. Do whatever. But you guys keep telling me that you're not trying to regulate people's personal property, their homes, then don't regulate it. Exactly. (laughs) And it's interesting because you brought up what's going to happen, you know, if you have someone who sits on this commission who who is a zealot. Well, you know, it's funny because I was listening the other day and there was somebody who said, have you ever noticed that when people get a little bit of power, how they act and then how they act too when they get a lot of power? Yeah. It's just human nature. Okay. It's the human condition. Yeah, guys, that's the long and the short of it. They will, I believe it's on March 9th, have a public hearing and then immediately vote after that. So they're going to take all of zero time to consider any comments the public has had. And I applaud the people, the homeowners and the developers who do not like this program. And you guys can go look at their comments if you pull the last council packet. And I applaud those people for standing up for their rights. And it'd be nice to see our city council 
support all of Loveland and not just their friends. Mm-hmm. I, one last thing on this commission, on the Historic Commission, because I know some people may be listening to us and saying, hey, you know what? I don't live in downtown. Who really cares? This doesn't really affect me. Well, here's the thing. Ryan, you've probably heard of the phrase scope creep. Uh, yes, I, yes, I have. Yeah, and scope creep, what it is is that all regulations have scope creep. How many times have we seen regulations that are supposed to regulate X, and then all of a sudden they start creeping and expanding into way into other things? And that is really what is going to happen here. It's because this commission and this whole, you know, we want to regulate how our town looks, This really isn't about just downtown. It's not. And your neighborhood is next. And if you live on West Loveland Avenue and you live in the historic district across the river, it's next. You're next. It's going to come across that bridge. And it's also, you know, it's already starting to creep into the heights. And you're going to have to look at East Loveland Avenue. If they do that development up there in in, in Grailville... That whole East Loveland Avenue is going to be all of a sudden expanded into this, quote, historic district. And you've got the Henry uh, Hanna Farms uh, farm. And my understanding is that's Walker Hanna Oak. And we saw a little bit about that with the person who wanted to do that development. What was it, last March or so yeah. up on Oak Street? My point is, is that this goal is really to have it in all the neighborhoods. That's why it has to be stopped now. It needs to be stopped now. Because they want to regulate everything and they're going to do it under the guise, well, we have to do that because this is the gateway into our downtown. So my point is, is if you think it's not going to affect you, it is because your neighborhood's going to be next. That's a good way to go because we've talked a lot about this. It's how we were born. We were born out of, the, uh, out of an election where the people in power, the people that put Kathy Bailey as the mayor, they went and they divided the community. They, they pitted neighbor against neighbor. They would bring up personal information about people that did not matter being somebody was talking about. Because, Pam, I am rightfully concerned if I have a member of my city council who has bankrupted their business. I am rightfully concerned about that. But they would bring up... Yes, and then they're going to regulate our purse. Exactly. Can't even control their own. My point is they got into power by being divisive. And And dishonest. Yes. And using people that use divisive tactics. This is what they do. We've talked about cronyism a lot on this show and how they just keep feeding their own friends at the expense of the rest of the community. This city council is not representative of all of Loveland. It's representative of just only the people that put them into power, the people that fund them. They're cronies. Well, it was on display because you know normally I wouldn't care about this, you wouldn't care about this, but it goes to tell you the actions of this council and why it's very important to get some new people and some new power in there, Pam. Every year, the community hands out an award. They hand out a business award, and they hand out a, a, like a citizen award, citizen of the year type award. The business award, this last year, or they did the nominations, and I guess they'll officially give it at the next meeting or whatever. They only had one nomination for each. And for the business, it was uh, Oasis, Lawn and Care, which I have no problem with. I mean, I kind of wish it was in the Commerce Park, but it's a beautiful building. They're bringing jobs into Loveland. They're doing stuff. That's rightfully so. They're also surprisingly not downtown because this council's only awarded downtown businesses. <laughs> <laughs> but the Citizen of the Year Award, before we talk about this, it's uh, called the, the um, I keep, it's not Rookwood, Rockwood Award. Rockwood. Can you tell me a little bit about it, Pam? Sure. It's named the Louis G. Rockwood Community Service Volunteer Award. 
basically what it is, is it seeks to recognize the time and the accomplishments of volunteers serving in the city. And some of the past recipients have included Stan McCoy, uh, Larry Hawk, Jeff Williams, Van Duvall. All of these people are respectful, and they work tirelessly to enhance our community. Awards should not be given to unprincipled political opportunists who are dishonest and disrespectful to our community. When council nominates, I will presume that they're going to award this person this honor, they show just how disconnected they really are to our community, and they only focus on their crony. And when they do that, they demean the purpose and the spirit of the award, and they dishonor the worthy past honorees. I often sit back, and that's very well said, Pam, because that's exactly kind of how I felt about this. And as a matter of fact, this person they nominated a couple of council meetings ago even kind of made some stealth political threat to Councilman Tim Butler, and Tim Butler still votes for this person. And look, I understand there's no other nominee, and he doesn't want to be the odd man out, but why didn't any of those people sit back and think? And look, honestly, 2020 was a tough year. Maybe the tough, I mean, I'm talking not just in Loveland, I'm talking globally. And we needed leaders. And I, I will say personally, from my standpoint, if it was up to me, I would have nominated every single teacher of the Loveland School District. I mean, what they had to do and how they had to, immediately, they, the schools were closed within 24 hours, Pam. And there are still kids that are learning online at home. And these teachers had to adapt to that. And I, that to me, that's heroic. That is doing something great for your community. But then I also thought... A couple of weeks ago, a young student at, I believe it was Loveland Elementary, either elementary or the primary school, passed away from cancer. He's been fighting cancer his whole life. And for a couple of days, for a week or so, it was, the community was really brought together. There was orange everywhere. Everybody's talking about, even the council came up with these orange ribbons. To me, that, the, the power of nominating the, I mean, taking a tragedy and bringing a little bit of brightness and hope and honoring that memory is that's what I expect from my government. That's what I expect out of all these awards. Like when they gave it to Van Duvall and they talk about all the stuff that Ness does, or you talk about Jeff Williams. I mean, you guys don't know. He's the amount of money he has raised and put in for Loveland sports is just, you guys can't even imagine. And a lot of people don't realize too, it's not only that they raise money, money, they also give money so that people who are not normally able to afford to be able to participate are able to participate. That's bringing the community together. Yeah. But instead, they want somebody who gleefully divides the community, who gleefully attacks people. And they all just sit around and joke and laugh about it. And that's, that's to me, look, you and I, we, we poke holes at this council all the time because of their bad policies. But Pam, this is just bad leadership. This just proves that this city council does not care about the city of Loveland. They care about just the people that give them power. And guys, we should all, we should all be disgusted by that. It demeans our community. Well, <laughs> and I, you know, just my last kind of thought on this is that what we really need is we need everyone in leadership positions to respect the community, especially those who have differing 
opinions and differing ideas. Well, I expect you and I are going to win this award next year, Pam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, keep waiting, Ryan. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, with all that being said, <laughs> the the Voice of Loveland podcast for ionloveland.com, Ion Loveland, which is Loveland, Ohio's most trusted source of information, it was produced by Pam Gross and Ryan Kulik. It was a uh, engineered, edited, re-recorded, and rewritten by Pam Gross and Ryan Gulick. And the music is by my father-in-law, Sherrod Sate. The only thing I have to say, Pam, is enjoy that dinner and have a happy birthday. Thank you very much, Ryan. Thank you for listening. And everyone, please be informed, be involved, be influential.